Will the whiskey craze ever level off? How long before a tasting to keep the things that you're eating bland and American single malts? In this episode of Whiskey Noobs, we will be discussing all of those things. But before we get to that, hello. My name is Chris, and you're listening to the Whiskey Noobs Podcast, and this episode is one of our Q&A episodes of Whiskey Noobs, where I answer questions from listeners just like you. So you can submit these questions once a week on Instagram through my story every Wednesday. I put a sticker on my story. You can submit a question through it, and I will maybe answer it. If you'd like to jump to the front of the line because I can't get to quite all of the questions, you can join the Patreon at the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash whiskey noobs. That was a mouthful, and starting to feel starting to feel a little bit recorded. I need to change up the way I say that, like, hey go to my Instagram on Wednesday or something something less robotic than that. But that's how you can submit a question. And before we get to our questions for today, I will be doing a mystery whiskey tasting. So I'm going to taste a whiskey. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to give you a few short tasting notes, and you can try to guess what it is at home if you're listening. This is a whiskey that has been on the podcast within the past 10 or so review episodes. So the past 10 or so episodes where I gave a full review of a whiskey. Without further ado, I'm going to do that tasting right now. This is going to be different than the notes that I gave you in the original episode, but on the first sip, that gave me strong, like, custardy cinnamon vibes. That's that's not what I said it tasted like in its review episode, but that's what you get for right now. So custard cinnamon, definitely some spice going on. A couple other things going on, but I will reveal those later on so that I don't give it away too early. So without further ado, let's get to our questions. Now, as I mentioned, patron questions do get answered first, and I do a few long-form questions where I give long answers to them, give my full thoughts, and then I go into lightning round. So these first few questions will be long-form. Let's do that right now. Have I had any good seasonal blend whiskeys? Is that even a thing? So seasonal blending, I guess, is kind of a thing. I'm assuming what the person means by this is, do people release specific blends specific times of year to kind of correspond with that time of year? My assumption is yes. I mean, you, you do see, especially with blending becoming more popular, certain releases becoming repetitive at certain times of the year. Um, there aren't any specific seasonal blends that come to mind for me or anything that they're like, this is our fall whiskey release that any distiller really says that. But uh, there is one specific whiskey that comes to mind because I think of it as seasonal tasting, and that is the Watershed Distillery Nochino Finished Bourbon. Uh, so it's a bourbon they take and they finish it in Nochino barrels. Nochino is a liqueur made from black walnuts. And when they finish the bourbon in those barrels, to me, it gives me a really nice kind of holiday spice, slightly nutty flavor to it. And it comes out, I believe, in December of every year. It comes out definitely near the wintertime, uh, or at least that's when it came out last year when I got it. And it definitely gives me strong holiday vibes. Like, I was a big fan of it over the holidays. So... That is one that I could say I recommend. If you like big, bold flavors with some spice and some nuttiness, I would recommend that one for the holidays. But that's about all that I can think of at the moment uh, off the top of my head. But 
are seasonal blends kind of a thing? I mean, for sure, specific releases come out specific times of year for different distillers. I mean, that's true all the way to like the Pappy Van Winkles. Those come out specific times of year as well. So for sure, different whiskeys come out different times of year, and you can absolutely start to attribute them to that time of year, especially if you're drinking it right when it comes out. That is my long-winded way of saying uh, the Nochino from Watershed, the Nochino barrel finish from Watershed. So I liked it. Yeah, I I haven't had a glass in a while, actually. It's making me realize I should probably have a glass, but I liked it. Worth giving it a try, but it's bold and it is uh, strong. So be warned. Next question. How many bottles are currently in my collection and are they organized by style or brand? Now, I know I answered something similar previously about how many bottles I have, and I don't know. I know that it's like over 100, I think. Um, I haven't counted in a very long time. But the second half is a bit more interesting. Are they organized by style or brand? They are organized kind of by style, but it's kind of a long story, which is why I wanted to answer it. The ones that you see behind me most of the times in my videos, like on the wall, those aren't really organized by anything yet. Uh, the long middle shelf does have a specific organization, but I haven't d- disclosed it yet. <laughs> but they don't have anything specific going on yet. Uh, but the the one in like the closet, like the recessed area where I have the vast majority of my whiskey, that I am organizing. And right now it's kind of a train wreck, but the organizational plan that I haven't actually revealed to anybody yet, this is like a thing that's been happening in my head, is from left to right, I'm doing different styles. Because I don't want anybody to see it online and see, oh, bourbon's your top shelf and scotch is your bottom shelf, so you're biased. No. So we're going to go left to right. So on the left right now, I have rye. Actually, the farthest left, I have anything that's just like peculiar, doesn't really fit into a category so like right now i have lost monarch all the way to the left because it's a mix of rye and bourbons and then it goes rye whiskey and then irish whiskey and japanese whiskey because i don't have enough of either of those so i i did split those up uh and then to the right of that we've got scotches to the right of that we have things that have weird finishes so barrel seagrass um angels envies in that column uh, there's a couple other strange finishes that made it there. That's like the middle. That's like splitting the shelf. And then to the right of that, we've got all bourbons. Um, just because by its nature, I have more bourbon because that's what I review the most of. That's what you guys ask me to review the most of. So that is the organizational structure. Now I need to reorganize it because it looks like the bourbon side of the shelf is going to fall down and the uh, weird mixes all the way at the other side is like super light. There's like a couple bottles in it. So I need to reorganize that a little bit. And then this is the thing that grinds people's gears online, uh, but I did it because I'm sick of, oh, that's top shelf, that's bottom shelf. I'm sick of that sort of a culture. So for top to bottom or bottom to top, I actually just have the strength of the whiskey going up as you go up the shelves, which people, like I said, kind of get angry because they're like, oh, well, let's see what's on my top shelf right now. Okay, second to top shelf, you've got like Wild Turkey 101. And people are like, oh, that shouldn't be, you know, there. Well, first of all, I don't like that attitude. <laughs> second of all, this is very functional because I'm like, I want a bourbon and I want it around 90 proof. Boom. I go over to the right. I go to the second from the floor shelf. Those are my 90 proof bourbons. Super 
functional, actually. So if you have a set of shelves, I would recommend that method, uh, and I'm excited to get it slightly more organized because I'm always pulling bottles off and on and putting them back in the wrong spot. I'm bad about that. So I'm excited to get them more organized. <clears throat> but that is how my shelves are organized. Thank you for asking because I've been getting comments lately of people not large fans of the way my shelves are organized. And that gives me a chance to explain it. I might do a video explaining it here at some point, but we'll see. So next question. Making Okay, this was more of a comment, but I, I had... I have something to say to it. Making your podcast with video and guests would be cool. You may or may not be watching this in video. I don't know. By the time this comes out, maybe video is just for my patrons. Maybe it's everywhere. Maybe it isn't anywhere yet, but I, I think it'll at least be released for my patrons. Not 100% sure, though. But I'm working on the video. So uh, the guests, I think we've been really working on. Um, I've got quite a few lined up and we've had quite a few the past few months. So guests are definitely on their way. Got some exciting ones on their way as well. Video podcasts are also on their way, uh, but I don't have it. I don't have all the logistics figured out quite yet. So it's not fully to that point yet. But I mean, there's things with like, like posting the podcast, your host, that sort of a thing. So I don't have all that ironed out yet. But I might be giving them, by the time this is released, I might be showing them to the patrons. Like the patrons might be getting the video podcasts by the time this episode comes out. Definitely not as of the recording of it, but working on video podcasts. I've got the editing figured out. I've got the software figured out. I've got the camera figured out. So hopefully you'll be seeing those rather soon. I'm trying to expedite it as much as I can. because if I put it off, I'm just going to get this buildup of episodes that need released in video format. So I'm working on it. That's my long-winded way of saying I'm working on it. I'm glad to hear you guys want video episodes. Um, it's one of those things, like the quality of the video episodes might not be great yet. This is one of those things that the Patreon is absolutely for. Definitely want a better camera setup. My camera is pretty awful. I want a better camera setup. I would like better editing setup, if at all possible. Uh, better microphones, hopefully, because my microphones make editing slightly more difficult because of a few different aspects of the microphones. But on its way, uh, if you want to expedite that, join the Patreon. If you're on the Patreon, you might even be getting video episodes right now because the patrons got to get them first. I mean, they're basically paying for it. So they're getting the experimental video episodes before Whiskey Noobs is officially a video podcast. So that is my answer to that. That's all the info you get for right now. It's basically all the info I can even give. So I didn't really hide anything there. Might have to cut part of that out. We'll see. Moving on to the next question. Does bottled and bond make bourbon taste better or is it just a gimmick? So bottled and bond, uh, no to both of those options. Bottled and bond doesn't make bourbon taste better and it also is not a gimmick. So bottled and bond is a specific type of bourbon, not a type of bourbon actually, a specific law that a spirit must follow to be labeled as bottled and bond. So... I'm naming these off the top of my head, so don't string me up if I'm wrong, because I know some people get very upset about this. But this is off the top of my head. 
Bottled and bond. So first of all, it was a liquor law that went into effect because of the fact that people could basically bottle anything and call it whiskey. And they were bottling up some incredibly disgusting things that were actually dangerous. And so the government said, we've got to regulate this. We've got to make sure people are buying something labeled as whiskey and they're actually getting whiskey or buying something labeled as whatever it's labeled as and that they're getting that. So in order to be bottled and bond, you have to basically you have to meet a more specific set of rules. So bottled and bond whiskeys, if you haven't noticed, they're always 100 proof. It has to be bottled at exactly 100 proof. All of the whiskey going into that batch that's being blended from different barrels has to be distilled in the same distilling season. And it has to be aged. Oh, I'm going to get the age of it wrong. I want to say like four years, but maybe maybe that's wrong. But it has to be aged in a bonded warehouse, which basically means it's a warehouse that you're agreeing is going to be certified to this government standard. So it, you, it's being watched as it's being aged, basically. You're not adding in anything disgusting into it. Um, that is, Those are the laws surrounding bottled and bond. Let me bring up that age because it's actually going to bother me. Yes, yeah, so like I said, same distillery. Same, I didn't mention this, but same distilling season I mentioned. Same distillery, same distiller. So not like blends. Um, same distillery, same distiller, same distilling season. It is four years. Go brain. At least four years in a federally bonded warehouse under federal government supervision and then cut and bottle at exactly 100 proof. I'm getting this from gearpatrol.com. So just so you know, that's where I just read that from. So I'm actually, I mean, hey, go brain. That was off the cuff up until I Googled it because I wasn't sure about the four years. So that's what bottled and bond means. It does not mean that the whiskey is better. It it just means it is fitting into this specific category. Just like I always say with bourbon versus finished bourbon. Finished bourbon doesn't mean better than bourbon. It just means a bourbon that had this extra thing done to it. And me and a bourbon not being finished, which some people, you know, some people think finished bourbons are like inferior, which is not the case. But a bourbon not being finished, similarly, doesn't make it superior either. It's just saying it fits that stringent set of rules that it needs to be a bourbon and not a finished bourbon. So <clears throat> same idea for bottled and bond. There is just a specific set of rules that you got to meet. And if you meet those rules, you can label it as such. I like bottled and bond because I, I like seeing bottles that are bottled and bond because I think it's kind of a hat tip to history. I mean, this was like the first consumer protection law saying the government saying, okay, you can't just sell people whatever you want and then hurt them in the process. So I think it's a pretty cool hat tip to where it actually came from. Is it used as a marketing gimmick? Maybe. Um, you see it a lot. I see it a lot in the budget range. I mean, you see a lot of bonded whiskeys in the budget range. Um, and I think that that kind of popularity has led to a little bit of a weird hype or stigma with the Jack Daniels bonded. You really started to see it. So I don't know. I don't know if it's considered overhyped or a gimmick or anything like that, but I like it. I like bottled and bond whiskeys and I like that it's right at that 100 proof point and that it follows a more specific set of rules. It's kind of cool, you know, whatever. If you don't like it, don't buy them is what I would say. <laughs> but also, they're definitely not just like outright better than other bourbons. That's the important thing to take away from that, I would say. Next question. How do you develop... This is going to be a, a semi-shorter one. How do you develop tasting notes in a whiskey? 
anything that can help pick up notes. So the reason that I made this kind of a halfway lightning round question is because I just wanted to mention with this that I am compiling all of these strategies into one crash course that I'm going to release for my patrons. So if you're not on the Patreon, you might want to get on it because if you're interested in this crash course, because I'm going to put together a crash course that talks about the different types of whiskey, the different rules for each of those types of whiskey, um, the different ways that you can drink whiskey, and then the different tips for exactly this, for developing your palate, for tasting notes, how to get into it. So I'm going to put all that into one video that'll probably be like, I'm going to say 10 or 15 minutes long. We'll see. I'm still working on the script for it. And then that will be available to my patrons. I don't remember which tiers or all of the tiers off the top of my head, but you'll see it in the Patreon benefits once it's there, once it's available. So I just wanted to let everybody know that that is on its way. And in short, how can you do it? So like if I had to give you an answer right here on the podcast, how would I do it? First of all, the first few episodes of Whiskey Noobs have great tips for doing that. Mixing a little bit less and less, trying different cocktails, trying them side by side, trying flavor notes wheels. Those sorts of things are all great tips. Uh, I'm basically just going to condense and add to and refine that a little bit in the video. So those episodes are still an awesome resource. Any of my videos where I talk about that sort of thing are an awesome resource on Instagram or on TikTok. I know on TikTok I do have it all in a playlist called Noob Tips, I believe. Those are all great ways to learn those things, and those tips that I mentioned briefly will help you, I hope. Those are some of my favorite tips for how to kind of get past the burn, start to taste different notes, and then really start to hone in what type of note it is that you're tasting. Speaking of which, I'm going to do that right now with this mystery whiskey, and then we're going to move into the lightning round. What I said about cinnamon and custard probably still holds true. It's definitely pretty spicy. There's a little bit, maybe a touch of like a brininess and then a little bit of a black pepper to it. So it's got quite a bit going on. Uh, Creamy, spicy, and then also another dark fruit-ish flavor. Maybe, I just noticed, maybe like a little tiny bit of cocoa. Or something, something slightly bitter like a tobacco or something like that. I will give you more notes at the very end, and then I will reveal it for everybody. Let's move on to the lightning round, where I'm going to try to actually be semi-quick this time around, because I always get stuck in the lightning round, and then I'm here for super long, longer than I should be. So, let's do this thing. Do I see the whiskey craze leveling off? It seems like every week I meet a noob new to the game. Ah, I see it def. I mean, as do any, uh, what's the word? Trends. I was going to say hypes. Hypes is not a word. As do any trends. I see it leveling off at some point. I hope that point's not soon because that would be bad for me. But uh, I do think it's going to continue to grow. I think whiskey is going to become a very common part of culture, uh, kind of like we've seen golf become. Golf has like a almost a, a huge following to the point of it just being part of culture. But I think we might see the same thing with whiskey. Maybe it's so specific because you have to be into alcohol first and then you have to be into whiskey and not even necessarily for the buzz, but just into alcohol. So I see it going further, uh, but I do see it leveling off eventually as do most things. It'll, it'll probably at some point taper off. It'll drop a little bit and then it'll probably stay at like a healthy level. I like to think. The next person says, we need the barrel pick. So do I, brother. Uh, By the time this comes out, the barrel pick might be available. It might not. You should probably go look. 
I'm, I'm guessing, but you probably will know if it's available because I will be posting about it definitely. So I don't know if it's available by the time this comes out, but it's definitely going to be available here soon. Uh, we have it bottled. We have a lot of the things in motion that need to be in motion that I won't bore you with. It should be very close to being on its way. That is my first ever barrel pick for those of you who don't know. So go check out my Instagram or my TikTok. Instagram is at whiskey underscore noobs. TikTok is at whiskey noobs podcast. If you want a bottle, it will be available first to patrons. So the only way to be guaranteed a bottle is to be a patron because as of right now, I don't have enough patrons that there will be any who don't get bottles, but every patron will get a bottle as of right now. That's the only way I can guarantee it for you. Have I purchased any tequila bottles since my episode with Agave Social Club? I have not, but I have continually tasted the samples that he gave me. Haven't decided on a bottle. That Mezcal really intrigued me, so I might have to get me some Mezcal. Uh, but I haven't bought a bottle yet. Probably as the, the summer months come in and it gets warmer and I feel more like drinking tequila, then I, I might. This person says, I just want to say I appreciate all the content. Thanks for sharing knowledge and not gatekeeping. Hey, you're very welcome, and thank you for the positive feedback. I absolutely love to hear that people still like me because the loudest ones are the ones who don't like me. So thank you for your positive feedback, Um, and no, I'm trying not to gatekeep. I'm trying to make this as available to everybody as I can. I mean, let's be honest. It's better for my business if everybody's into whiskey, but also you know, it's the right thing to do. And I don't like gatekeepers. I don't like trolls. So you're welcome. And and thank you for the nice words. The next person says, does wild turkey ever miss on a product? If they do, it's not a product that I've had yet. Um, I've definitely had rare breed and 101. I did a whole episode on that. Uh, I've had Russell's 10, which I enjoyed. And I think aside from that, maybe the only other one I've had was Kentucky Spirit, which was also very good. I had that during my trip down to Kentucky. So far, everything I've had from Wild Turkey is pretty darn good. Uh, they know what they're doing. That There's a reason that they're one of the, the staples in the bourbon game. This next person says, as a noob, I default to Angel's Envy. What's my next step in the progression? Well, Angel's Envy is a finished bourbon, so it's not just as simple as being bourbon full stop. It is a bourbon that is then finished in port wine casks, and that's going to make it quite a bit sweeter to you. So, I would recommend your next step in the progression would probably be either a very sweet bourbon or something that's finished but not quite as sweet as Angel's Envy is. So something that's finished but a little bit spicier, a little bit drier than Angel's Envy is Legiant. I've also had that on the show. And it is, it's a little bit drier. It's not finished in port wine barrels. It's finished in a mix of sherry casks and red wine casks, if I recall correctly. And so it's a little bit drier. And I think that would be your next step before moving to to just bourbon, if that if that's your goal. I don't know what your goal is, but if if you're trying to get away from just finished and get into normal bourbons, I would say that's your next step. Uh, good bourbon, if you want to jump straight to bourbon, I can't say enough. One of the most welcoming bourbons that I have on my shelf right now is Redwood Empire's Pipe Dream. Incredibly welcoming, incredibly easy to drink. Um, so that might be a good first bourbon if you're used to the sweetness of a finished bourbon. Or maybe, hey, maybe take a complete sidestep and go to like a finished rye, like barrel seagrass, even though that's that's barrel strength, so it's a little bit high proof. But maybe a finished rye, something like that, would be a little bit drier, but still be finished. So that could be a, an interesting direction to take your, your, your taste buds, your palate, whatever. 
All right, next question. What are my thoughts on double oak bourbons, and can I explain what it does to the flavor? I like double oaked bourbons, at least the ones that I've had so far. Double oaked, for those who don't know, just means you age the bourbon in brand new charred oak as bourbon must be aged, and then you take it out of that barrel and put it in another brand new charred oak barrel, which technically speaking, I would argue still makes it a bourbon. It's different from a finished bourbon because it's still a brand new charred oak barrel. It still meets the law of what bourbon must be aged in. So I did an episode on that. It was a Woodford double oaked episode. Don't remember the number off the top of my head, but... I like Woodford Double Oak. I like a lot of oak. And what does it do to the flavor? It adds a little bit of barrel characteristic, like you might imagine. So more vanilla, more cinnamon, more spice, maybe a bit more caramel. Kind of depends on how it's interacting with the whiskey. But it also adds more tannin, usually. So that's that's where a whiskey gets some of that dry flavor from, is the, the tannins that it retrieves while aging in the barrel, that it retrieves is not the right word but the tannins that it gets right so double oaked wood for double oaked specifically in my review i mentioned you're getting more flavor but you're also getting a little bit more tannin so it's not an overly strong bourbon but it does dry your tongue out a little bit you'll notice that because it's kind of the trade-off you get for having that more barrel flavor you get more tannin so that's my opinion on what it does to the flavor of the whiskey and i enjoy them typically so i i can't say anything bad i haven't had one that i've been like this is way too tanniny but if things are tannin tanniny tannic would have made way more sense there but if things are too dry for you already then like if you need specifically sweet and and oily feeling oily mouthfeel types of whiskeys then maybe don't go to double oaked or try it and then you'll know what i mean probably the next question, do I know the difference between whiskey, spelled E-Y, and whiskey, spelled no E-Y? So for those of you who don't know, whiskey can be spelled two different ways, and we're still talking about the same liquor in general. But different regions, different countries spell it differently. I'm not going to get into the intricacies of it, but hopefully I can remember off the top of my head right now, um, out of the main ones that I typically talk about, Canadian whiskey, Scotch whiskey, and Japanese whiskey are all going to go K straight to the Y, uh, whiskey with no E. And then American whiskey or bourbon whiskey. American whiskey and bourbon whiskey are different. I just realized that might be confusing. American whiskey, bourbon whiskey, which is a subset of American whiskey, and Irish whiskey in general are going to have the E before the Y. There are rule breakers, as always. I mean, I know Maker's Mark for sure spells it the, the Scotch way, which I believe has to do with the Scottish ancestry of the founder of Maker's Mark. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's what I learned on my tour. Um, so there are rule breakers, as always, uh, but that's that's general. Like When you see it, that's generally what's going on. But we are all talking about the same spirit, culturally speaking. Of course, every nation has a different way of making it, uh, but that that's the quick rundown. Next question, rye versus wheat. I don't know if you mean rye whiskey versus wheat whiskey, uh, wheated bourbons versus high rye bourbons, or what you mean. So I'm just going to go very general here. And let me know if you want a more in-depth episode about like comparing the grains like this. But rye, in general, spicier, more black pepper, more bold, uh, a little bit more herbal a lot of the times. Wheat, creamier, sweeter, not going to add a ton of complexity, but going to add sweetness and maybe a little bit of creaminess, those sorts of things. 
rye, I should have said, will add typically some complexity in my experience. So that's the general, very general speaking, differences between rye and wheat when used in a bourbon or as a whiskey. As a whiskey, it gets even more specific, so that's kind of more leaning towards using them in bourbon mash bills. Daily Drinker, Wild Turkey 101 versus Evan Williams Bottled and Bond. Uh, Why not both? Because Wild Turkey has a nice spice to it. Evan Williams is nice and easy to drink. So on depending on what day you want. Uh, if you put a gun to my head, I guess I'd say Wild Turkey 101 because it's got a little bit more spice to it. But I love Evan Williams Bottled and Bond as well. Which bourbon reviewers do I trust, if any? I'm going to do this off the top of my head. I apologize if I miss any of my friends that I enjoy the content of. But bourbon of the week is great. You guys probably see me work with him a lot. Two ounce whiskey is very good as well. I've been following him for a long time. He's been following me for a long time. Uh, Connor from who gives a dram. He had me on a show recently and I listened to his stuff a little bit and he is good as well. Um, that one dude, Ryan, if I didn't already mention him and if I keep naming them, this is going to get pathetic with me trying to remember people's names on Instagram. So Those are the ones that I can recommend off the top of my head without giving too much thought to it. And when I say I trust them, that just means I like their content. Um, When you trust somebody, you trust that they're giving their honest opinion, but their honest opinion might be different than your honest opinion, so I should throw that out there. Don't just go buy something because somebody says to buy it. And just a little pro tip, even for these people that I recommended, if they're telling you don't ever buy this whiskey, I don't like that. Uh, usually a whiskey has a purpose, even if I don't like it at all. So um, that's a little just for all influencers, something that you can kind of use to smell who might be snowing you over. Videos that say, this is disgusting, don't ever buy it, do very well. So I don't trust people who do too many of those videos. Sometimes it'll slip out, don't buy it, I don't like it, and that happens, but usually it's more in-depth than that. Okay, we got to get moving. I'm, I'm way too slow again today. Um, how good is that gray label barrel seagrass? In my opinion, I haven't had the gray label. I've only had normal. So if I ever have it, I'll let you know who are some distillers you haven't interviewed, but would like to, I do have one coming up who I probably wouldn't have guessed I would ever be able to interview. So that is all you get to know because as soon as I tell you who it is, I'm going to end up, they're going to end up canceling on me or not being able to do it or something. But, uh, a lot of good things coming in the future. Is there anybody specifically that I'm like, I got to have them. I got to have them on. Not that I can think of at the moment. There's a couple more that I want to have on, but I think I can probably set it up with them. Um, But nobody that I'm like, I wish I could have them on that I can think of at the moment. There's so many good small distillers. Here I am. This is, I'm going on another tangent. This is why this takes so long. There's so many good small distillers that I love their stuff. And a lot of times the smaller guys are, are more than willing to chat with me. And you know, the the Jack Daniels and Jim Beams of the world really uh, don't have the time for that, nor do they need to. They're looking to sell to bars and whoever just knows their name. But at any rate, there are a lot that I hope to have on the show, but nobody that I'm like, ah, I don't think I'm able to get them. If financially possible, would you quit your job and whiskey noob full-time? Yes, if financially possible, I would absolutely do that, and I would ideally be bringing you guys a lot more content, a lot a lot of things that I want to bring you that I'm not going to say specifically on here because I'll get off on another tangent. If you want to help make that dream a reality, go join the Patreon or patreon.com slash whiskey noobs. I really hope I didn't say whiskey noobs.com slash Patreon earlier in this episode. <laughs> patreon.com slash whiskey noobs. If you want to support that 
goal and eventually maybe get a lot more content out of me. This person says, I tried the Redwood Empire and I love it. What's another sleeper suggestion? I'm glad you love the Redwood Empire. I'm assuming you mean their pipe dream because I think it is fantastic. Uh, so far, I just had Penelope's Architect. I was a huge fan of that. We just had Smooth Ambler Contradiction on the show. I was a very big fan of that. Uh, those are the two that come to mind right now. Are there any whiskeys that I like on the rocks or do I always prefer neat? Specifically, I like flavored whiskeys on the rocks pretty often because it kind of, to me, tastes more like a cocktail. So if I'm going to drink flavored whiskeys, I do like them on the rocks, but there aren't any um, unflavored, just run-of-the-mill whiskeys that I'm like, this one's better on the rocks. I just like them on the rocks, typically if it's hot outside or if I want something cold to drink. This next person says, I should go through a beginner tasting of three to five whiskeys to give you guys a variety, ages, and profile. That's a great idea. Um, I think I might do a video of something like that. But also, in about three episodes, I will be doing something kind of like that with a new guest noob that we haven't had on before. So keep that in mind. It will be coming up something uh, similar to the idea of what you're trying to get at. So I think this is the idea of what you mean. Have I tried Henry McKenna before? I have twice. I have a bottle of it, and I tried it once at a bar. I've liked it both times, but I've heard this is specifically the single barrel bottled and bond. I've heard that it can be pretty hit or miss. So uh, my apologies if you get a miss because I said that. This next person says, how are you? I am doing well. Thank you for asking. Once I, Like I said, uh, a lot of people in the comments don't care how I'm doing. So hey. I appreciate you. Been doing well. Uh, people joining the Patreon who I cannot thank enough. A uh, lot of things happening in the background that I cannot wait to show you guys. And yeah, I've been doing pretty well. Thank you so much for asking. Smooth whiskeys for a beginner who enjoys sweets. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I would say Redwood Empire's Pipe Dream. If you want a little bit more spice, uh, Maker's Mark number 46. Buffalo Trace, run-of-the-mill, and it is sweet. Those are all in the category, the genre of bourbon. Of course, Makers is finished. So let me throw something else at you. Glenlivet Caribbean Reserve. That's a different kind of sweet. Uh, Redbreast, 12-year. That's a different kind of sweet. That's a little bit more honey-like. The Glenlivet has kind of a fruitiness to it. Um, those are just a few off the top of my head. Oh, and I, I can't believe I forgot to mention this. If you want, it depends on your definition of smooth. This is very strong. But Barrel Seagrass uh, is very sweet, but also extraordinarily strong. It's cask strength, so it's going to burn if you're not used to something at cask strength. Would I rather have a single barrel or a barrel strength bourbon? Totally depends on the single barrel and totally depends on the barrel strength bourbon, man. Why not both? That's what my barrel pick's going to be. Uncut, unfiltered, single barrel pick. Shameless plug. What's the best way to try new stuff without spending a fortune? And then they ask about the specific subscription box that is either pronounced Flaviar or Flaviar or Flavier. I'm honestly not sure. I've never had to say it out loud before. My favorite is Blind Barrels. Um, I had them on the show, and my the reason they're my favorite is not because I make a little commission if you buy through my link, which you should do, and I'll put it in the show notes. That's not the reason I suggest them. The reason I suggest them is they sent me the box to try, and I was like, sure, let's see if this is a gimmick or not. And I had a blast trying it. And I think it's worth the money. And I think they are onto something super cool. So because of how good that review was, I said to them, I'd be more than happy to do an affiliation if you guys want to work with me. And then they, from there, we made it work. So it was not them being like, hey, we'll pay you to make us sound good. I went to them when I was ready. So 
highly recommend Blind Barrels. Um, I really enjoyed them. I think you will too. They do a good job of what they do. Next question. I can't I can't speak to Flaviar, Flaviar, Flavier, Flavier, however the heck you pronounce it. I can't speak to that uh, because I've never had it. But I remember looking it up before and I thought it was overpriced. I don't know how it compares to Blind Barrels, but I like the uniqueness that Blind Barrels has. How long have I been into tasting whiskey? About four years. If you want to hear about that whiskey tasting journey, you can listen to episode number 43 where I walk through it basically step by step. How long before doing a tasting should you keep things bland? For this one, you kind of just have to know your palate. Uh, For me, it's usually just the day of. If the day of I'm not eating anything too strong, I'm going to be okay. I can even have hot sauce and then do a tasting and do a generally good job. But if I'm doing a serious tasting, so like when I did my barrel pick, when I do the blind battles, things like that, I'll stay away from spicy foods, strong, pungent flavors. I'll stay away from that all day long, like the entire day from the time I wake up. And then I do those things usually in the afternoon or the evening. So typically all day, but you got to know your palate. Some people, it could be longer than that. Some people, it could be less time. It totally depends. Next question, review Russell's tenure. Uh, that is actually episode number four. I don't blame you if you haven't listened to it because it's so long ago. There is a full review there. I don't have a bottle right now to review or I would do a no- another full review, but I want to get another bottle here soon. I did generally enjoy Russell's uh, tenure. Next question, have I had any American single malt that I recommend? I actually have a new one that I'm going to be tasting on camera probably before this episode comes out, so it's probably already on my Instagram and my TikTok. Uh, They sent me a bottle. They wanted me to try it. I can't speak to it at all because I haven't had it yet. But also, from Blind Barrels, this is why I like them so much, the the box that they sent me to do my initial review had Westward Whiskey's Pinot Noir Cask American Single Malt, and that was nice. That tasted nice. So I would recommend that one as well. And thank you to Blind Barrels for introducing me to it. The next question, what do I do with my empty bottles? Do I display them or do I throw them away? I throw my empty bottles away almost 99% of the time. Um, If I keep an empty bottle, it's probably because I want to talk about it on camera and I need something to show people so they know what to look for at the liquor store. The next question, will I do a better than challenge with any other whiskey? So they're referring to the better than Blanton's. Definitely more blind tastings. I don't know of any whiskeys off the top of my head that I would want to specifically put this bottle up against a bunch of other things, but I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will in the future and definitely more blind tastings to come. The next question, do the notes in the bourbon come from the barrel or the mash bill? To put it short and sweet, they come from both. What's the first bottle I ever bought? I don't know for certain. Uh, The first bottle that I remember trying and then I came back to it multiple times and still enjoyed it was Monkey Shoulder. And then the first bottle that I felt like was a big boy bottle, even though it was like the same price as Monkey Shoulder, so I don't know why I felt this way, was Maker's Mark number 46. I probably felt that way because I asked a trusted friend who was into bourbon specifically. I asked him for a recommendation and that's what he gave me. So it felt like a big boy purchase. I don't know. So those two were my two first kind of major ones. Have I ever considered adding a cigar pairing section to my page, to my media channel? Yes, I would definitely consider that. I don't have anything specifically in the books for it right now, but I think that would be a lot of fun. Next question, what kind of grain mixtures produce what kind of flavors? 
Um, I kind of went over the rye versus the wheat. I probably should have combined those two questions. So rye versus wheat was earlier. Um, barley typically gives me kind of a honey, a little bit of a bitterness, and it, it gives kind of just like an earthy, grainy, almost granola taste a lot of the time for me. So I'll add that in there. And then corn... Corn is a kind of a clean slate to work with. It really, the argument is that corn provides, a lot of the times people say, corn, corn provides like a general sweetness and then it allows the barrel to come through with that sweetness. That's why your bourbons a lot of times have that really sweet flavor. Um, so there's argument online as to whether that comes from the corn or from the barrel. Uh, but corn in general is gonna, a corn whiskey is gonna give you those barrel characteristics, that sweetness, that caramel, that vanilla, that spice, it depends on, you know, the specific whiskey. That's what you can probably expect. And last but certainly not least, what does toasted mean? Toasted like bourbons, like you've got uh, Basil Hayden toast, Elijah Craig toast, Penelope toast. They're everywhere nowadays. What does that mean? Most of the time what that is referring to is kind of like finishing. So you can finish a bourbon in a port wine cask like Angel's Envy does, or you can finish it in a toasted barrel. So it's a different burn to it. It's not all the way to a char. It's lighter. It's called a toast, and it gives it different aspects. And I don't even believe I own any toasted right now. Penelope toasted, I'm probably going to buy here soon. I bought Architect instead, which I loved, so I'm not, I don't regret it. But um, that is what that means. So it's a kind of a new thing that a lot of people either like or don't like. So try it and I'll let you decide whether you like it or not. Let's do this tasting though, because we are, I'm rambling. I'm rambling. You guys, I love these questions and I love answering them. And that's why I ramble so much. Let's do our mystery tasting. I'll just say it. We'll give it away. And then hopefully you'll guess what it is. Dried cherries, or I could argue almond rather than dried cherries. Yes, I am. Well, first of all, did you narrow it down to bourbon at least? Let me, let me start there. Hopefully you did. I said a lot of things that are typically bourbon-y. You got cinnamon. You do have a little bit of a creaminess to it, which isn't always typical of a bourbon, but you've got some cinnamon. You've got some spice. You've got some dark fruit. So this is a bourbon. This is specifically Smooth Ambler's Contradiction. And maybe you're thinking, Chris, you just drank that. And yes, I did. But I wanted to come back to it because I'm really enjoying it. I really enjoyed it in that episode. I wanted to make sure I still really enjoy it. The answer to that is yes, I do still really enjoy it. So... Smooth Ambler Contradiction, smooth, can I talk? Smooth Ambler Contradiction, very good, very good stuff. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that mystery tasting, and those can help you a little bit with your blind tastings. It can help you to hear notes, or if you're doing a blind tasting, you're tasting the notes, and start to put together the pieces of what you might be tasting. That's the idea, at least. Otherwise, it's just a little bit of fun. One last time, you can submit questions to my Instagram page at whiskey underscore noobs every Wednesday on my story through the sticker that says submit questions for the podcast. You can also submit them through Patreon and you'll skip to the front of the line because I want to answer the questions for the people who are the most interested in the podcast. So that's patreon.com slash whiskey noobs. There will be a link in the show notes as well. I know I didn't get to everybody's questions, but keep them coming because they are awesome. They are fantastic. You guys hear me ramble. You know how much I love. I just hit my microphone. You know how much I love these question episodes. So thank you for submitting them. Thank you for participating. Thank you for listening. I will leave you guys with learn to drink, drink to learn. 
Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you need more Whiskey Noobs content in your life, make sure you check out our Patreon page in the show notes. And if you like the show, please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review. It only takes a couple of minutes, and they're way more helpful than people realize. If you want to do tastings alongside the show, make sure you join the email list by sending an email to whiskeynoobspodcast at gmail.com with a subject line that says email list. You'll receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of time. You can also find more Whiskey Noobs content on Instagram at Whiskey underscore Noobs and on TikTok at Whiskey Noobs Podcast. Once again, thank you guys for listening. The Whiskey Noobs Podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol.